what has been an encouraging series for me just to look at the book. We've looked at it from some different angles than we normally do through this series, just looking at outside sources that confirm what's in there by what happened in archaeology and science and nature. What makes it unique? What makes it different than other books, other religious writings? Why is it God's book? The last couple of weeks we've been spending, what are the benefits of reading? How does it affect our life? How does it benefit me? It's really been encouraging to me to be strengthened in that. I think a lot of us just to be strengthened in why is this book unique and what does it do to us and why is it truly a gift to us? I think one verse I've shared at the start of everyone I've taught on in this is this verse in 2 Timothy 3.16. keeps it in focus for me, but it says, All scripture is inspired by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness, so that the man of God may be adequate, equipped for every good work. So the scripture is God's inspired text for us. It is inspired by God. He inspired all of the writers to record his words to us. And why did we spend two weeks on looking at the benefits for us and for our lives? Because it says right there it's profitable. It's beneficial for us when we're in the word and when we have it in our life. It also talks about training in righteousness. There's a lot of ways we could look at that. There's a lot of different disciplines spiritually that we could do that would train us in righteousness. But we're told that the scripture itself does something to us, doesn't it? God uses it to reprove us, to teach us, to correct us, and to train us. And we're going to look a little bit more today on a practical side. How do we read it? How can I get profitable in my life? It can be profitable generally, kind of like a pill can be profitable in your cabinet, but it's not going to affect us until it's in our body. And the scripture isn't going to affect us until we are reading it, until I'm reading it each week. And we're only people of the book when we're each reading the book. And when I think about reading, even the language in this verse, I think about training for something. I think about profit and physical training. There's profit and a whole lot of kinds of training. I look at this and think, which, which of these is the best for me? Is it swimming? Is it running? Is it biking? Is it CrossFit? Is it weightlifting? You could think of different things. You could think, oh, running, boy, that really gets my heart rate up in a hurry. I can't do that that long. I think biking is really good. It's good on the knees. You can go a long time. It burns a lot of calories. You can be swimming. You're using all your muscles at once and your core and your arms and your legs. It's really good. CrossFit. Tim could probably tell you why that's great. I'm pretty sure it's great. It's probably too hard for me. Weightlifting's really good. I've done that before. Builds muscles. It's good. But which is the best for you? I have no idea. Because what I think most of us face is a little more of this. Which of these is best for us? <laughs> I'm weakly struggling between the couch potato on the left and picking one of those activities on the right. That one's clear cut. And I'll be honest, most of us, or me at least, I get home after church, my afternoon activities with the game on looks a lot more like the one on the left. But I can pretty easily tell that one on the right 
is more profitable. Why do I mention that? Well, I think most of us approach how do we read the Bible and what's beneficial a little like arguing over the activities on the right. We could talk this morning and have strong feelings on which translation is best to read and why. We could talk about which, which Bible reading plan is the best. Which one really hits it? Which one orients our mind around it? But the scary truth is we're probably each facing a little more. Are we going to be the person on the left or the person on the right spiritually? Lifeway Research did a study on how often Protestant churchgoers are reading their Bible. I was a little scared to even look up the statistic, I'll be honest. But it showed about a third of churchgoers are in the Bible each day. It's actually pretty encouraging. It shows another third are in the Bible about once a week or a few times a week. And then below that, there's about a third that are in once in a while to never category. In one sense, I'm encouraged thinking, I wouldn't have thought a third of churchgoers are in the Bible every day. I was scared to even look at that. So that's good. You may be thinking, well, let's get in a Bible reading program every day, and that's the end of it. And I think that's good. I know a lot of you in this church have good, strong habits about that top line, reading every day, and that's good. Other of us intend to. Other of us maybe don't. I think looking at other statistics, what that means practically for those that have really good habits means they get in about 15 to 30 minutes a day in a reading program and interacting with people in years. That's pretty accurate. Even what I try to do in my day sometimes, that's pretty accurate. This next slide I'm going to show is a little eye-opening. It's a whole different avenue, but it's collected by a company called Nielsen which you may have heard from like the Nielsen ratings. I work with them a lot in my business hearing things from them because I work in the cable industry outside of being at church, but they do a lot of uh, marketing around media and keep statistics. And this one was a little eye-opening to me. They released this for the first quarter of this year and the first quarter of last year looking at it. But the all the way on the right, there's a lot going on here, but all the way on the right is the average time per day the average adult over 18 is consuming media in hours. And you can see this year, 11 and a half hours a day, the average American is consuming media. And some of that, you may think, that's impossible, I don't have that much time, I have to go to work. But some of this is concurrent. Like by the end of the Bronco game this week when they were down about a million, a lot of people were on their phone instead of actually watching the games. You could have been doing both at once. But the bottom line is the average American is consuming media 11 hours a day. And even over the year, that grew 20 minutes over one year, which is a pretty big amount of growth. And another thing that jumped off the page is where it says wow factor at the top. I didn't write that. Nielsen wrote that, that they're wowed by how much people are consuming media in their life. And they're putting this out because people are wanting to capitalize on that through advertisement and other things because they can know they can get into us with 11 hours a day of media consumption. Well, why do I share that? It might be kind of obvious, but if we're a Christian doing really good, 
and we're in the top third of Christians going to churches all around the country today. We're in our Bible every day. And then if we're doing pretty good in that and we're kind of on the top end, we're probably reading it about a half hour a day. And that's pretty good. And I'm encouraged by that until I realized if we're an average American, we're taking in 11 hours of media a day. Or 20 times more input from media than we get from the scripture. In one sense, 11 and a half hours sounds crazy, but in another it sounds not that order of magnitude high. And I was convicted by this verse, or just considering this verse in light of that. Galatians 6, verse 7 and 8 says, Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. Forever a man sows, this he will also reap. For the one who sows to his own flesh will from his flesh reap corruption. But the one who sows to his spirit will from his spirit reap eternal life. And like I mentioned, the Christian doing a pretty good job is likely taking in 20 times more media than the scripture. Back to our couch potato discussion. If I go ride my bike for a half hour and then sit on the couch for 10 hours eating potato chips, I'm not going to see a lot of benefit practically day over day from those half hour bike rides. And as a Christian, we need to consider what am I feeding my soul? And I read a verse like this, and God puts the onus back on us a little bit. What do you expect to get out of your life over the next 10 years by what you're putting into it? You are ultimately going to get the fruit of the seeds you're putting into the ground in your life. I'm terrified for me looking at these statistics. Based on the rate of growth, I'm even more terrified looking at how that's going to affect my children in the years ahead. So the first thing to consider is just we need to read our Bible consistently. We need to be in it more. We need to be in it a lot. Again, if you go run or swim or ride your bike or do CrossFit every day for a month, you're going to feel different. You're probably going to look different. You're going to hit the scales a little differently because that training will have a constant effect on your body. Do we let the scripture have that same effect in our life? Are we in it consistent enough that it can do that? And I just share that, and I'm going to put a couple questions up on the screen. Just for you, if you're taking notes, just be honest with yourself. How many days in the last week have I read my Bible? I could share verses on reading daily. There's benefits. We did two whole weeks looking at benefits of it. I think we'd all sign up and say it's beneficial. But at some point we have to look in the mirror and say, how many times did I get in it? And a second question just to pray about how many days a week would I like to be reading my Bible. Just put that before the Lord. Make a goal for your week. If we don't even trust Him and set a goal to get in it more, we're not going to get there. You don't run a marathon by accident. You don't get in your Bible every day by accident. You know, another thing about the Bible is we need to grow in reading it directly and some of you may say, well, those statistics say I'm only in it a half hour a day, but I also listen to a Christian radio station and read some books and we talk about it a little. And that's really good. 
However, God didn't intend for us to consume the Bible secondhand. I don't often pass a note to someone to give to my wife. Worked in grade school. Doesn't work so well in marriage. God gives people in your life to teach, encourage, and share scripture with you. But he also wants an avenue into each of our lives to speak to us. There's a lot of good Christian sources and media things out there, but none of them replace the word of God in our lives. 1 Peter 2.2 Like newborn babies long for the pure milk of the word so that by it you may grow in respect to salvation. Long for the pure milk of the word. And there's two words that strike me in that, just to, to look at this morning. One is pure, the pure milk of the word. God's pure word for us. It's not mixed with other theology, philosophy, or watered down. We have a little baby fever at our house right now. We have another one due in February, and we're talking about babies and looking forward to it. And God intends babies, as it relates to milk, and thinking about it, that they get all their nutrition through milk. Mom's able to give that baby all the nutrition and nourishment they need through the pure milk. They don't need additives or vitamins or supplements. They don't need GMO, gluten, soy, dairy-free, something or other from the health store down the road. God knows how to take care of that baby through the pure milk. And God tells us, long for the pure milk of the word in the same way. We tend to puff up the thoughts of the famous theologian, the famous pastor, about a book we're reading, about what was on the radio. At best, the Christian book is the word of God that's a little bit diluted and encouraging us in it. And at worst, it's diluted to the point that you can't tell it's there. There's some books all over the place. Some are diluted enough to sell to enough people that it's really watered down from as strong as God might say some things. But wherever a book lands on that scale, it's still not God's word, is it? Long for the pure milk of the word. And we're wise when we know the book, God's word, and when it's written on our hearts. And how do we grow in respect to our salvation, like this verse says? By being in the pure milk of the word of God. Another area is that we need to read the Word of God in its entirety. There's a temptation to read what is palatable, to read what we want to hear, or to read what is easy to hear. When I was in college and in the dorms and you got to go hit a buffet every day for dinner, I don't know if I ate a vegetable in two years. We eat that way sometimes. And when we go to the buffet, sometimes we don't read everything God would have for us. I can think if I went out tonight and just went on a sin rampage and went out to the bar and got drunk and drunk drive home and ended up in jail after a DUI and woke up in the morning to read a Bible in a cell, I could pick anything to read, couldn't I? I could say I want to read Psalm 145. I want to read that God's compassion extends to generations and know that I'm forgiven in that cell. 
Or I could pick it up and read Jonah and think, gosh, when there's a nation that's turned from God, like Nineveh, God wants to wipe it out if there's sin in it. Or I could jump into Acts and read about Ananias and Sapphira stealing and God wiping them dead on the spot. Or I could open up Matthew and read where Jesus said, if your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off and throw it into hell lest you be condemned. There's all scripture I could apply like that or pick. And when we pick it out, I, I'll be honest, I tend to pick out a little more of the Psalm 145 that God's compassion extends than the other things. And I'd make that choice again and again. And there's times where I just pick up the Bible every once in a while when I was discouraged. I really like Psalm 23. It's an encouraging one. Just pick it up and read that because that's always encouraging. But the problem is that all four examples I shared that I could read all capture some facet of God and we have to get them all in harmony to understand who God is, his character, and how they apply to us. And we need to read God's word in entirety to do that. I used to skate by on book reports in school. I'm not very good at reading. I knew I was not a very good reader, but my seven-year-old is already a better reader than me, and she reads a lot faster, I found out. But in school, I would look for ways to get out of English work. And so when they would assign a book report, what I would do is read the first few pages in the front, the first few pages in the back, read the jacket, and then try to pull out a few quotes in the middle that made it look like I got somewhere in the middle. Believe it or not, that was a lot of C or lower work I turned in because you don't understand a whole book that way. You get just enough that you don't sound like you picked up the wrong book, but my comprehension was really low of what would go on those books when I turned it in. I lacked context of the quotes I pulled out. I lacked the broad themes in the book. I got just enough from the back. And as Christians, we often do this. It sounds silly that I did that in school, and it was silly. I didn't do very good. But as Christians, we do this when we pull out verses and we don't understand how they tie into the greater story that God tells us. We might, as a culture and as churchgoers in general, have very little comprehension of the Bible as a whole. I fear there's more people sitting in churches across the country that know God created the world in Genesis. They know Jesus showed up in the Gospels and died. And they know God's going to come back in Revelation. And they know John 3.16 from the football game. But we lack comprehension of the whole work of the Bible and how it ties together. So I encourage you, if you've never read through the Bible, think of some way. One way is just a systematic reading plan. I'm not going to tell you the benefit of one of these over the other, but there's lots of good resources out there just to help us get through it and take on the Bible. I've done all of these at times. A one-year Bible like that one just breaks it up day by day. There's apps like that one in the middle that will give all kinds of plans you can go pick out to get through it. Before there was apps, there was bookmarks that helped you do the same thing. But it's the same idea. It helps us get through the Bible and get through the chunks we might never get through. Do you ever skip over instruction manuals? I give my father-in-law a hard time. He showed up today so I can freshly give him a hard time. But I never read instruction manuals. I pick them up and I look at two pictures and then I try to build the thing. Maybe that's half the fun. 
We don't get furniture delivered anymore to our house put together. You just get a lot of big boxes and an Allen wrench, and you get to go have hours of fun. And usually it kind of comes together, but sometimes you put most of it together, and you think you're going, and you get to the end, and like the wall of the bookcase is the wrong way, and there's a groove on the outside you need to hold the shelf up. Or you use the wrong bolt, and now there's a longer one you need, and it's already in there somewhere. So oftentimes I have to go back and fix it, and, and that's half the fun. But I'm not very good at reading the whole thing together because I like to just get little bits and skip along as fast as I can. I still haven't learned that. The point is God's scripture is kind of like that. The whole thing works together. And when we pull one thing out, when we pull little pieces out to consume, we can miss it, we can take it out of context, we can misapply it, and we can miss a lot of God's whole purpose for our life. Or it just gets really hard to get through it. I don't know about you, but there's a few times in my life where, especially as a teenager, somehow I figured out it'd be good to read the Bible and I'd open up in Genesis and think, I'm going to read through it. I think I tried that about three times and never made it past Leviticus. We'd close it and go back on the shelf and collect dust again. These things just help do that in a systematic way. A couple verses to consider. Just some examples of people getting the scripture together. Joshua wrote this after conquering Ai. He said, Then afterward he read all the words of the law, the blessing and the curse, according to all that is written in the book of the law. They picked up the scripture, they read the whole law to the people, not just bits and pieces. I think of this verse in Acts 17. There's a lot of things we could pull out of this, but it says, speaking of the Bereans, it says, They were more noble-minded than those in Thessalonica, for they received the word with great eagerness, examining the scriptures daily to see whether these things were so. And you could pull a lot out of that verse about diligence around Bible study, eagerness. But in this context, what I'll pull out is, They examined the scriptures. They knew the scriptures to understand if the word to them was true. As the apostles would write letters to them, or they would teach them, they would go cross-reference on the rest of the scripture to understand it together and understand how the new revelations were tying together into what the law and the scripture said as a whole to see if it was true. You can't do that if you don't know very much of it. And we can't do that if we don't know very much of it or don't know it very well. Another point is that we need to read the Bible in repetition. Why do they play the same ad ten times in a row on the radio when you're driving home in your car? It's because you can hear something once and it goes in and out. But when you hear something ten times, it gets stuck there. And it seems the more annoying the ad, the more it gets stuck there. But what's the point? When your sink starts leaking, you remember the name of a plumber to call. When you get in an accident, you remember which is the best Ford dealer ever from the jingle on the radio. And they try to put it in your head so that when you need to actually buy something, it's already there and you don't even need to go look it up. You've just got it there from the annoying jingle on the radio. By repetition, we learn things. And the scripture speaks of this a little bit. It says, So the word of the Lord to them will be order on order, order on order, line on line, line on line. A little here, a little there. 
These words which I am commanding to you today shall be on your heart. Oh, that's a different verse altogether. And I tied them all. I thought I had two slides. But how do we learn it? In Isaiah, in context, it's talking about he's going to give a whole message to the people. And they're not going to learn it all at once. They're going to learn little on little. It ties together. They learn incrementally. And we learn incrementally. I don't know about you, but I do. I think of my kids. My kids are just learning a little bit to play soccer. Some of your kids know how to play soccer. And so my kids have jumped in with them when we're doing it all together at a picnic or something. When they went to learn, I didn't sit them down to show them four hours of soccer videos. I would have fallen asleep. I think they would have too. What did I tell them at first? I think you just try to get the ball in the far net. Go have fun. Well, the first time they picked it up and ran around like it was rugby, I pulled them back aside, or the other kids did, and said, no, you can't do that. You're just supposed to use your feet. And they went out a little longer, and then the first time it went out of bounds, someone explained to them the throw-in and that you can't just circle back in and, and score a goal. We learn that way. We learn incrementally. We learn bits upon each other. And it's learned somewhat through repetition. When you learn to play a sport like that, you're going to do it wrong a few times before you repeat it and you learn it. A few times after that, they grabbed it again with their hands and then went, oh, right, I remember, I'm not supposed to do that. It takes a few times to learn it. And if we can think that we can read through the Bible and understand Genesis in one go and we're experts, we're deceived. We need to read it again and again. Read it slowly, maybe read it aloud. Because our brains and hearts need some time to comprehend it. And finally, we need to meditate on the Bible as well. Deuteronomy 6 here, it says, These words which I'm commanding you today shall be on your heart. What did Dave say in the verse he shared this morning? That the law would be on everyone's heart, and everyone would know the Lord, and we no longer need to tell each other about him, because his law would be perfectly on our heart in heaven. Side note. But it says, You shall teach them diligently to your sons, and shall talk of them when you sit in your house, and when you walk by the way, and when you lie down, and when you rise up. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand, and they shall be as frontals on your forehead. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. So these words should be on our heart and with us. And we need to get to the point where they're on the forefront of our mind, and it's there when we need it. That doesn't happen by reading once. I'm trying to do a, a certification for my work, and so I watch these videos to train for it, and then it gives a little quiz at the end. Never once have I watched a half-hour video and then passed the quiz at the end. I have to go back and watch it three times or read something on top of it because I don't learn once. I need to repeat in it and try to understand the concepts and learn. And we're that same way with the scripture if we're going to write it in the forefront of our mind where it's useful. Maybe meditation spawns the wrong thing for you, or you're thinking, we're not supposed to meditate. The first thing that comes to my mind is that. Meditation is an Eastern thing. It's not what the scripture is talking about. But we need to meditate on the word. We need to learn it. Meditation, it's really just a simple thing. 
A simple definition is just it's focused thinking about a Bible verse or passage. We're just spending our energy thinking about what does this mean? Why is this important? We're about to have an onslaught of maybe 11 hours of media in the day, maybe a whole lot of people at work, our kids, people as we travel, people on the street. And that word's not going to be with us in the forefront of our mind unless we're spending time in focused thinking, we're learning it more deeply. So we need to consider spending our energy on how does that apply in a way that I can remember it later. Just a few practical ways to think about how can I meditate on the Bible to take it with me? One, again, just spend time thinking about it. What does it mean? Why was it written? Who was it written to? What was God trying to say? Picture it can help you remember it. I don't know if you've ever read through a story and just thought, what would it have been like to show up in the morning and have the tomb be empty? What were the sounds of the crowds been around like Jesus when they were hungry and they were getting mad that he was going on and there was no food and they were on the wrong side of the lake? What would that scene have been like when Paul was carrying on and, or Peter and uh, Eutychus falls out of the window and falls dead because he was carrying on preaching only to be revived by the Lord again later? What would that scene have been like? We can paraphrase. Could you close the book? And write that chapter in your own words after you read it? Oftentimes we probably couldn't, but it helps you learn it enough that you'd know it. Say it aloud. That only works if you're alone somewhere. You can't quite do that in Starbucks, probably. Consider how to apply it. What does God's word mean to me? What's something I could apply today? And pray it. Just pray it back to God. Is there anything to pray? Is there anything just to pray about how God wants us to chew on that? And going through exercises like that takes verses from something where I know it's good to it's going to be with me on the forefront of my mind in my day. And when I fall short at work and I don't do good enough, I've got God's scripture. When I have temptation, I've got God's scripture. And it's in the forefront. Psalm 1 We'll close with this verse. It says, How blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked, nor stand in the path of sinners, nor sit in the seat of scoffers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law he meditates day and night. And so we're blessed when we read, we're blessed when we understand and meditate and have God's word on our hearts and on our minds that he can impact our life with it and we can take it with us. Let's pray. God, we thank you for today. Thank you for your word. God, we thank you for your scripture to us. Help us. God, I know your word is good. I know your word has benefit to my life. And I admit, I listen to the radio a lot more than I read your book. Help us grow in that, Lord, that we'd consume your scripture and we'd treat it like a treasure. God, we'd treat it like your very word to us like it is. Help us each, wherever we're at, take a step to grow in reading and understanding and meditating on your word this week. In Jesus' name, amen.